How do you know what you deserve? How do you know what is appropriate and what is being greedy or asking for too much? As Asian American women, this is a really hard question for many of us because we feel that we don't need more money. We don't need more of anything. And we're used to living in a way that we don't have a lot of requirements. And yet I wonder how much of this is because of the way our culture has trained us to take up very little space. Women already have a harder time of doing this in general, but especially Asian women. When we were told that our parents wanted a boy, many of us have this living in our subconscious and we don't allow ourselves to live freely and to live in a way that says, I deserve wonderful things. And so we only ask for what, 10% of what we deserve? If this is you, we're going to get down to how you became this way and what to start doing about it so that you can live your life to the fullest potential. Welcome to Asians Breaking Ceilings. This is Jeannie Chai, founder of BambooMyth.com and confidence coach for Asian American female professionals. The goal of this podcast is to ignite your confidence, to empower you to overcome imposter syndrome, so you can finally break that career ceiling and get what you want. In episode 13, we are going to be discussing what it means that we grew up in a shame-based culture. A lot of times, it means that when we make mistakes, those behaviors end up identifying who we are, and we carry the embarrassment and the disappointment with us into our future lives. If you want to find out what your greatest roadblock to success is in your work, go ahead and take the quiz at in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave me a review at podchaser.com and I'd be so grateful. Now let's jump into our show so that we can help you achieve authentic success without the stress. Hello, Ceiling Breakers. Welcome back for another episode of Real Talk of what it's like to be an Asian American female. I have a question for you today. When you have a day off or half a day where there's nothing planned, no work, what is the first thing on your mind? I know for me, I'm looking at what needs to be done. What laundry, what errands, what things have I been putting off? And generally, that's from a place of maybe guilt or responsibility or fear. It's certainly not from a place of joy. Now, I remember when my kids, I had four children, when the first two were eight and five, they wanted to play Uno. We had a deck of Uno cards and they loved it so much. And every time they asked if I could play Uno with them, I would say no. Because the first thing on my mind was, I've got to do dishes. I've got to go shopping. I have to clean up this and do this. And there was this critical voice. I call her Clara. that was always saying, no, you don't have time to play until everything that you need to do gets done. And the implication is that if you play before you get all those things done, you are a bad person, right? Or you are a bad mother or you are a bad example of something. And where does that idea come from? Because when we're first born, every child, and I've had four, 
and you, even if you don't have your own kids, have you seen how they play? <laughs> Little kids are so full of adventure. They're so full of possibilities. They wake up and they just want to explore. And they're not thinking about the mistakes they might make. They might, they're not thinking about things they did wrong yesterday, or how they fell or how they tried to walk and it wasn't successful. They're certainly not comparing themselves to other kids and saying, well, she's a better walker. Maybe I should stop trying. But as adults, this is the kind of stuff we do in our free time. Isn't that true? We spend time remembering terrible things that happened a few weeks ago or really painful situations that took place years ago. It's almost like our default is to think of bad things as if we need to be punished for them. And when you remember those things, what do you do about it? At the end of your thinking and rethinking this whole thing, do you actually feel better? Do you feel like you've learned some new skills and the next time you're better equipped to handle something like that? I usually feel depressed. Let's be honest. I feel depressed. I feel sad. And then whatever energy I had, whatever time I had to do some free free time fun things has, has been stolen from me. And now the only energy I have left is to binge Netflix or prior to those days, uh, play Candy Crush or prior to those days, just sit and look out the window and mope. That's what we call not being present. This is a big difficulty for many of us. And I really believe it stems from habitual things that have happened to us ever since we were little girls. By that, I mean, think of one early memory you might have of getting in trouble. When you did something wrong, and for me, I was eight years old and I spilled a bowl of soup. I was back in Taiwan at a big reunion. The first time I've been back in Taiwan since I came to the States. And there was a really hot bowl of soup on the table. I was trying to scoot towards me. And it was so hot, I think I burned my hand or the, the bowl was sticking to the table. And it spilled. And there were all my relatives, my aunts and uncles, who I loved so much, I hadn't seen in forever. And my dad just yelled out. And the funny thing is, he almost never yells. And I don't remember what he said, but I remember his face was scowling. And I remember just shutting down, feeling really bad, and not wanting to talk to anybody the rest of the night. And I'm sure most of you have had a similar experience like that, right? Where now the mistake isn't just about the mistake. It's about shame, embarrassment, feeling like a bad daughter, feeling like an embarrassment to your family. I can recall several other incidences in which I was bothering my mom as a young little four-year-old. She was trying to talk on the phone and I kept asking her for something and at the end of that time, she was so mad. My mother had a very uh, interesting disciplining skills. It was zero or all, you know, zero, nothing or everything. And she said, next time you do that, I'm going to turn up the heater thermostat so high it's going to burn the house down. Ah. And it wasn't even like, don't pester me. That behavior is annoying. It was that I don't like you and I'm going to kill you if uh, you do this, right? And I, this is so extreme, but I think this is how Asians parent. And and those things matter because I still remember this and it's 40 some years later. And so what I learned from that was I am not likable. I am not lovable. 
me. There was something wrong with me, the person. And when we have incidences like this, what's really difficult is no one's going to get through life perfectly. There's no way you're going to never make a mistake. You'll never bother somebody or that for those of us, our parents who are academically inclined, there's no way you're going to get 100% on every test and quiz that you take. And so now every time you do something not perfectly, you're going to feel a sense of shame. Not that, you know, I tried my best and it's okay. Many of us didn't feel like that, but we feel bad about who we are, not just the action or whatever it is we did, the behavior, but we feel bad at the core of who we are. And we take this with us into our adult relationships, into the working world. And it's no wonder we deal with all kinds of stress. Because now, here's, here's how I went through life. You know, I have these big antenna, invisible antenna sticking out of my head. And basically, I'm watching for people to see if they're angry or if they're about to get angry or if there's anything anybody needs me to do so that they can stop being angry. I'm so scared of disappointing people even when there is no reason for me to be worried. And so even when I'm by myself in the house with no other people, my mind is so used to looking for things to do so that I don't get in trouble. And so if I'm playing Uno, someone might come out and say, hey, why are you not doing the dishes? Why is the laundry not done? Why does this matter? on a career podcast? Well, the way we do one thing is the way that we do most things. And so if this is our habit in our personal life, what I can guess that we're doing in our professional life is we're the same way. When a boss is kind and supportive, we'll have easier times. But nowadays, something like 70, 80% of the bosses that we have Corporate Americans are surveying, reporting that they're not happy with their bosses. They're not great. And so if you get a boss who's less than supportive, who is toxic, who doesn't have time for you or is harsh, uh, is unsupportive or has even worse behavior that's you know negative and, and mean to you and takes advantage of you, you're going to be walking on eggshells. Because when we are in our free time already, even in our own free time, before anybody else is interacting with us, we already feel a sense of huge responsibility, right? For doing the right thing, for being responsible, for not spending too much money, for not being too greedy, for not being too assertive, for not being annoying or bothering anybody. We're so afraid. You see, shame is a fear-based emotion. And when you live in fear all the time, you're not increasing your confidence. Every day that you practice fear, you are actually lowering your confidence. And so it's no wonder that many of us who are Asian in heritage graduate from high school and college, and we're good at all kinds of things. We're amazing robotics team members. We are wonderful uh, mathematicians. We're great at writing essays, all kinds of things. But one thing I am pretty positive of is that none of us graduates with top confidence. Even if we get into top colleges and we excel on the outside, many of us internally do not feel great. We do not feel confident and proud of ourselves because we've grown up in an environment 
that points out all the mistakes, that points out the imperfections, that points out the weaknesses, and not only as just behavior that needs to be avoided, but we are told we ourselves are failures. We ourselves are defective. And that is why so many of us and so many of my clients, when they work with me, realize the limiting belief that is keeping them from living a happy, joyful, fulfilling, balanced life in which they have full impact and feel rested and confident is this belief that I am not enough. And I, the contrary part, the correlating part of that is I am not allowed to want good things for myself. Think about that. How many of you in your free time, when you wake up on a Saturday morning, automatically think, what an amazing day. I am allowed to do good things for myself today. How many of you go to work Monday and are excited and think, wow, I am allowed to do good things for myself, expect good things for myself and do great things for my company. That is just not a habit that we've had. Most likely, we're just following orders, looking at our to-do list, looking at our email, and wondering how on earth we're going to get all this done and meet all the deadlines. And so instead of being in a position in which we have ownership of our lives, in which we creatively, actively, intentionally decide how we get to live and what we want, we are just reacting to those around us. And when we were young, it was our parents, and then it was our teachers, and now it's our bosses in our company. And we're completely not having any say, any agency in our lives. It's no wonder many of us feel so lost and numbed out and tired because it's exhausting to not know what you want. It's exhausting to not have any control over what you want, what you want to do in life and simply be following orders. This is the result of growing up in a shame-based culture in which you don't feel like you're enough. And so to pay back for that, to earn the right to be called good, we end up proving ourselves. We end up doing things. We try to do things to earn our worth, to earn our value. And very rarely does that mean any kind of vacation, rest, extra long lunches, taking yoga classes, having fun exercising. None of those things are included in the list of what I need to do to earn back approval, to earn back the love and the respect that I have lost through growing up an Asian kid. Before we start the second half of this episode, if you're of Asian descent and you want to discover what your biggest personal roadblock to success is, go ahead and take the free quiz with the link in the show notes. If you're liking this podcast, be sure to leave a review for me in Spotify or Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to be sure to follow me on LinkedIn where I post every day, 11 p.m. Pacific. If you'd like to be part of the discussion or ask me any questions, I will be online at that time and happy to interact with you in real time. Now back to our show.
One way to tell if you have some lingering shame-based thinking that's limiting your confidence and your life is asking, when things are going really well in your life, do you almost panic? Do you feel like something bad's going to happen any moment? If that's the case, I get you. I've lived like that. I'm more comfortable with chaos and things requiring a lot of stress and people needing me and there be fire fire alarms and, and things to do um, than it is when things are peaceful. When you're on the beach or when you're just having a lazy day and you have a glass of lemonade and you're sitting on your porch, does it get interrupted with intrusive thoughts like, wow, I should be getting back to work. I should be doing this. Oh, this requires work. If, if that's the case, you're probably like me, more comfortable with stress and difficult things in life than you are with ease. Many of us think that we want to be promoted. And many of us rightly have been unfairly kept back in our careers, especially past mid-career level. And yet I've also heard that if we don't deal with this shame, this shame-based identity, where we feel like we are ashamed of who we are, when you get promoted, you're still going to struggle with stress. Because here's what I hear. Women go, oh no, now the visibility is even greater. The stakes are even higher. Everybody knows who I am. The execs are here and I have to work even harder and I feel even more anxious. Right? That demonstrates a lack of trust in yourself. That demonstrates a lack of confidence. It demonstrates a lack of belief. And what is so damaging about this is that, do you know what the goal of good parenting is? I looked it up one day and I was totally shocked because when I was growing up, if I was alive and I had food and clothes, that that was it, right? The bare minimum. And I realized just recently, the goal of good parenting is to create a confident child, a confident adult who trusts herself and knows what she wants. Well, damn, <laughs> that's uh, not a lot of Asian kids there, right? And again, we're not, we're not trying to um, call out any one culture in particular. I'm Asian, so that's all I know. I'm sure there's other cultures with a lot of issues. But for us, and since most of us listening to this, I'm guessing are Asian or have a similar background, this is the issue is when a kid is very talented uh, but doesn't trust him or herself, and doesn't know what they want, you're, you're kind of a sitting duck, right? Because you're, you're so capable, other people are going to use you as the workhorse at a company. Other people are going to realize that you know how to do a lot, so you'll get all the assignments, you'll get all the projects, you'll get the really hard projects. But then if you don't know what you want and you don't know how to advocate for yourself, you may not get the projects that are helping your career, but your company is certainly going to benefit. Right. How many of you were the, were the kid in the study group that did the most work because everybody else in your group was loafing off? Right. This has been a common theme in your life and it continues in corporate America if you don't learn how to finally patch up the confidence that was lost in you from growing up in a shame-based culture. Even if you weren't yelled at or you didn't go through criticism, if you saw someone else in your family, right? A, a black sheep in your family or even one of the parents, if you saw them getting yelled at and criticized and abused and told all the time that they were screwing up, you're going to have the same problem. It's like secondhand smoke. You're going to have a fear of making mistakes. Because again, 
in, in these shame-based cultures, the mistakes and the behaviors, they're, they're not considered separate from you. My new philosophy is everybody is capable of kind behavior and everybody is capable of mean behavior or wrong behavior or making mistakes, but that's not who you are. Right? Who you are is a separate consciousness, a person that uh, is a channel, right, for good or for bad, but people shouldn't be called good or bad. People aren't failures or successes. What you do can be a success, and sometimes you can have an utter failure followed by three successes. And those things don't make who you are, right? We're, we're on earth to learn. We are allowed to try things. If you think about Thomas Edison making the light bulb, go Google that after you listen to this. How many times did he have to try before he finally made it work? It was in the hundreds, like 800 or so. So does that mean he was a failure? No, he's an inventor. And, and we're all grateful for him for inventing light. And so the, the people who succeed the most are also the ones who've tried the most times. I think I've said this example before. Michael Jordan has made the most baskets of anyone in the world. That means also that he has had the most misses because he's attempted the most baskets of anyone in the world. And so if you're trying something, you're going to fail usually many, many times before you succeed. And, in, and for us to be criticized and ridiculed and humiliated when we're still trying something and we're not good at it yet and being told that we are failures, that we are bad or that we're not good enough really is abusive. It shortens that child's potential. It decreases the child's potential. It takes away the confidence. It humiliates the kid and it creates this new cycle in their own brain, whether they're sleeping or awake, you're creating a pattern in which they're afraid to do anything. And they're also afraid to expect good things. So both things that we're talking about right now, not having confidence in yourself and not knowing what you want, those are the top two issues and roadblocks I see in many, many of us who come from an Asian background. We know what other people's want. We know what other people are asking us to do. But we don't know what we want. And we don't have confidence that we're allowed to ask for things that we want either. So those two things, if we can learn those, we will eliminate 90% of the, the, the stress in our lives. We'll eliminate indecision. We'll eliminate unfulfillment lack of impact, because so many of us are doing jobs that are too easy for us, or we're good at it, but it's not our area of greatest interest. And we are very good at making up excuses for our company. And, and we say, we have a very big heart, actually. And we will say, you know, my company is going through a hard time. The economy is hard. Everyone's going through a hard time. I will just go ahead and do extra. And maybe that's okay for a little bit of time, but how many years do you want to spend doing things you don't like, overworking, feeling a ton of stress, and not getting rewarded? Sometimes for ourselves, we're so used to this kind of lifestyle, we don't even feel anything anymore. But the best way for you to modulate and to start realizing this is not okay is to pick your best friend or pick a coworker that you like and admire. What if this were them? 
Think of their name. What if this were them? And what if they did this year after year after year after year? How would you feel that all their hard work, their intelligence, their good heart is being utilized for someone else's purpose and they themselves are exhausted and unfulfilled? See the difference when it's your friend? That is the kind of compassion we need to have for ourselves. So I have an affirmation for you right now that's going to teach you how to start having compassion for yourself. Compassion is the beginning of confidence. You have to want to be kinder to yourself or you won't change. So if you want more confidence and to undo the negative effects of losing your confidence as a child all the way through now, this is what you do. If for a moment, send your criticizer outside. Don't worry about your laundry, whatever else you need to do. 15 minutes here and think about you. What would you do today if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid of feeling irresponsible? What would you do if you weren't afraid of anyone's opinion about how you were living your life and whether you were a good person? What would you let yourself do if your inner child got to come out and said, hey, we have a free day. That's exactly how I felt when I got a break in my life and I wasn't working. And the things I wanted to do immediately, I knew. I wanted to buy a piano. I bought a guitar and I wanted to sing. I took out some old paintbrushes, got some new paint from Michael's and just let myself draw without any self-criticism. I let myself take long walks outside with my new doggy. I always wanted a dog as a little girl. I bought myself one. And we went on these long walks outside. And I thought it's really weird that there are no children out here. There are almost no adults out here, only workers. Everyone else is stuck inside in a building. I love nature. I wanted to spend as much time outdoors as possible. And then I thought, you know, if I had a year left to live of health, because I was going through chemotherapy, if I had a year left, what would I love to do? And I said, I miss singing. When I was a little girl, some of the best times were in choir. And so I Googled choirs near me. What would you want to do? Do you miss singing? Have you always wanted voice lessons? What have you told yourself that you're not good at? A lot of great leaders have written books about how to build confidence. And what you do is evaluate what are the things that you think you're not good at and go do them. Go learn. And oftentimes you'll realize that your belief about yourself was much, much less than your capabilities. I always thought I couldn't draw. When I taught sixth grade 20 years ago, 30 years ago, my teachers would say, Mrs. Chai, can you please draw a horse? And I would draw this rectangle thing with legs and they would laugh because I never had drawing ability or took lessons. I decided I was going to go through a book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And I drew beautifully and realized again my belief in myself was so low, but the ability was there. 
one thing I'm doing for myself for Christmas this year is when I was in middle school, I felt like a terrible volleyball player. I have these thin little weak wrists and something in my technique was wrong. Every time I tried to play volleyball, my wrist would hurt so bad. I didn't know how to serve well. Uh, and, and, and this is the one sport that a lot of my college uh, reunion buddies will play. And I always hide in the bathroom or pretend I have something else to do. I would love to be able to be able to just pick up and do a game of volleyball and not feel stupid. And so one of the gifts I'm giving myself this year is a two-day adult volleyball boot camp that I'm going to do and just learn it. You know, in the past, when I felt so ashamed, I'd go, oh my gosh, you're the only person that's this old. You have zero skill. People are going to wonder why you're this, why you're that. And now, I don't care. I've given myself the freedom to take back areas that I've lost confidence and have constantly felt stupid in. I couldn't swim for a very long time. So I finally took lessons again as an adult. And now I can. And I feel so good. Later on, after I record this podcast, I'm going to be putting on a semi-wetsuit. And I'm going to go swim. And it's winter. But I love that. And so overcoming your areas of inadequacy or weaknesses or fear is one of the greatest ways to start building up your confidence. What about crafts? What about things you do with your hands? How many of you miss doing pottery or woodworking or some kind of a craft with yarn, crocheting or knitting? I know a lot of the women I've met, we have this wild side of us that wants to go pole dancing and we want to learn how to do um, aerial training and we want to ride horses, but somehow we don't have time I'm telling you today, it's not time that's the problem. It's your willingness to give yourself permission. And so will you do that? Will you ask yourself, if I had a year to play with no consequences and no one yelling at me and worried about what I do, not telling me I'm being an irresponsible human, what else might I do? I would go hang gliding as a young girl. I had dreams about flying. And I live in an area where there are little canyons and there's tons of hang gliding classes. I want to go. I deserve that. And we are deserving to have joy in our lives week after week. We are allowed to create our own happiness. I went to the beach a couple weeks ago. I live really close, about half an hour. But in the past, when I first moved here, I never let myself go. Because the same reason I didn't play Uno, there was always more responsible things to do. And as a little girl, I was always doing homework or studying. I didn't get to go to the sleepovers and go out with friends. And so it just sets up a habit. But now that we're grown up, we don't have to continue living in stress. So I went to the beach a couple weeks ago and I wanted to go again yesterday. And the little inner me said, yes, I want to go to the beach all the time. And then this grown-up, responsible part of me said, uh, who goes to the beach two weeks in a row? Isn't that a little bit much? Do you really deserve that much happiness? Don't you have anything else to do, like make money? <laughs> don't you need to go do some chores or help your kids? You know, and this voice just kept going on. And I don't like that voice. She's like a mean backseat driver where you want to do something with your life, 
and she just has this mean comment and she makes you feel stupid she makes you feel guilty she makes you feel bad and that's the real reason we don't know what we want or we're afraid to admit what we want isn't that right if you really really spend this time you will realize you know i deserve to be two positions ahead of where i am right now at work i deserve at least 50k more per year i would like my boss's job we do see that we do know but then the second backseat driver voice comes back, doesn't she? And she says, ah, are you sure you're good enough? Are you sure you deserve that? And so it's that inner doubt, that self-doubt that's preventing us from fully asking for and creating what we want in life. Many of us want to travel. I've never seen a kangaroo in its natural environment. I've never seen a koala in its natural environment. I've never seen penguins in their natural environment, and I would do anything to go do that. I even had a friend who lives out in the Carolinas, I can't remember north or south now, say, you know, I live right next to the beach where you can watch turtles hatch from the eggs and rush towards the ocean in the moonlight. That, that is a dream to me, because as a little girl, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I think 10 years or has, I don't even know how many years has passed since that invitation and I've never let myself go because who on earth has time to do that when they have four kids and a full-time job, right? But that's just an excuse. And that's an unkind excuse because if you live every day like this where you're too busy for something, that turns into weeks where you're too busy for that thing and then years go by and then decades go by and then you're 60 years old and now you can't do the things you thought you wanted to do. And that's a whole lifetime of regret. And so I really encourage you right now to take out a pen, make a mental list to yourself, but also write it down. Write down two things you wish you got to do as a little girl that you didn't. And go do that for yourself. It could even be like buying a toy that you've always wanted. You know, when I was growing up, I wanted so much to have one of those little Barbie heads where you could put makeup on her. Well, instead of doing the head, I, I practice makeup on myself. I spend time watching YouTube videos, putting on eyeshadow in cool ways. That gives me joy. Does anybody make money from that? No. Does anybody, you know, benefit from it? Nobody except me. That's not selfish. We're here to enjoy life, to be happy, to be joyful, to spread inspiration. Because when you're miserable and anxious, who benefits from that? When you're in a mad rush and you have 500 things on your to-do list and you don't have time to eat and sleep properly and you're rushing from thing to thing and you're grouchy, who benefits from that? I believe when we've lived all our days and we look back, none of us is going to say, I wish I finished more of my to-do list. None of us is going to say, I wish I was more responsible. And I have looked this up. You know what most of us say? I wish I let myself be happier. Dear ceiling breakers, we deserve to break this generational curse of always being responsible, of always needing to be doing, 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 and thinking that that is our identity. No. Who you are, how you feel is more important than what you do. And when you feel confident, when you feel joy, when you know how to create your own happiness, your leadership will come out as a result. 
and you will do great things in your life and you will ask for the right things in your life and you will be successful. But it starts by giving yourself permission to enjoy, to relax, to slow down and to know that you are not a broken human, to finally know that you are enough, that you are simply a channel for goodness and that none of the mistakes you've made or the weaknesses or the gaps you think you have, none of those matter because you can do something about it. But the fact that you exist makes you enough and you are lovable and you are enough and people cannot be a failure. And so go live your life. Go try new things. I would love to hear what ideas you have. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can message me. I will read those. And I'm hoping that you have a great week full of permission to know what you want and to ask for those things. Give yourself permission to live fully. You've come to the end of episode 13. Next week, we'll be discussing how, as Asians, we work way too hard. If you go to Barnes & Noble, uh, real bookstores, and you browse the career section, so many of those books say things like, talk less, work harder, <laughs> uh, be empathetic, listen harder. That is not the Asian problem. Our issue is the opposite. And so I'm going to encourage you to tune in next week for the episode called Work Less, Ask for More. <laughs> I wish you a wonderful week. And I'll see you soon. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave me a five-star written review at podchaser.com so we can spread the news about the material in here. And my greatest ask is that you'd be able to share with your colleagues, your friends about this podcast so that we can support as many women as possible so that they can learn to achieve authentic success without the stress. <laughs>